Angela Addison's. Let me say this, as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we've got to be careful and make sure that in everything, man, we are trying to get as close to what the word says as possible. And we got to understand that with that type of wickedness, man, you know, God does not wink at that. That's judgment. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. And you don't have shades of truth. You have truth or you have error. You have fact or you have fiction. And now we go into the thick of it. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Good afternoon. This is Erin the Addisons here on American Family Radio. I'm Will Addison holding it down once again for the family. Sending you greetings from the Addison tribe. So glad to be with you today. Uh, we have a great show planned uh, for today in the second segment. The plan is to have my friend Todd Shannon on with me to just to talk about some uh, things related to politics and uh, and having a biblical worldview as we look at things uh, politically speaking. But first, make sure you download our podcast at AFR.net, AFR.net, and you can just search for Aaron Addison's or whatever show you would like to download. But just go to AFR.net and uh, click on the podcast tab. And you can find the information there. Also, you can email us at addisons at AFR.net, uh, addisons at AFR.net. That's A-D-D-I-S-O-N-S at AFR.net. Uh, check out uh, AFA.net slash events for information on the Living the Gospel during difficult times, events, anything that you need to know about those, you can find there. And make sure you go and watch and also share the website for uh, the In His Image documentary, inhisimage.movie. That's inhisimage.movie. We've been getting a lot of testimonies and, you know, comments about how this documentary has really helped uh, so many people already. It's just two weeks, and I think it has over 300,000 clicks. Uh, and so people are watching this movie. There are uh, families that are being impacted by it. Man, it's just an awesome thing. Heard some testimonies this morning of just what God is doing in the uh, lives of people through this documentary. And also, remember, this is the Operation Christmas Child Time. Uh, Now more than ever, children need great joy. Most of all, they need the hope found in Jesus Christ. So pack a shoebox at home or build one online and reach children around the world with God's love. Just visit SamaritansPurse.org slash OCC for more information. Uh, great thing to do. Yesterday we uh, at our church, we got our boxes together. Well, we had the boxes at church, and we brought them together yesterday uh, to get ready to be shipped out. And so our church is taking part in Operation Christmas Child. Uh, it was just a good time with my family. Uh, on October 31st, actually, we missed uh, all that other stuff that was happening in the neighborhood because we were out shopping for... <laughs> for um, uh, Operation Christmas Child toys and gifts for the kids. And so a good time. We all went to the stores and picked out different things. And, you know, man, it's just a a, a great time of bonding and, and, and finding things for other people, not ourselves. And so uh, we packed it all up and brought it to our church on Sunday, and they're going to be taken from there. But, man, make sure that if you would like to be a part of that, it's a great, great thing to be a part of, a great thing uh, to show the love of Christ to uh, children in another part of the 
uh, of the world that will receive these boxes. You can track them. You can make a box for either a boy or a girl, certain age group, whatever you want to do. That's SamaritansPurse.org slash OCC for more information on that. This is a great time to be alive. You know, the things that we are uh, facing as uh, Christians in, in this nation and also the things we are facing as a nation. I mean, it's uh, exciting times. It's not dull at all. And so uh, with that in mind, we should be thankful for the time that God has set us in the United States of America. Uh, that, And we should be prayerful that God would use us to fulfill uh, what he desires to take place uh, in this country through his church. It's just a great time. We It's easy for us. It would be easy for us to kind of like look at the things that are going on and be discouraged and to say, oh, man, you know, all is lost. But it's not. Not for the believer in Christ. And we know that, look, even politically speaking, there could be some dark times ahead for Christians, you know. Uh, but even in the, in the face of persecution, the church thrives. The church grows uh, when it's when it's the uh, when it's the hottest, you know, when persecution is is there. The church grows. Now, I'm not saying that bring it on. I want it. No, I'm not saying that it's a great thing to live in a country where we're able to to uh, live out our fate without any hindrances and things like that. You know, but even if we didn't have that here, we should still be in, in a position where uh, we are, are living out in our faith, believing in God. Uh, uh, in in the way that would please the Lord without any fear or apprehension. You know, I'm reminded of Daniel. He was in Babylon. That was a totally different system. You know, it was run by a king. And when he was, when it, the edict went out, when they said that he couldn't pray, that no one should pray to anyone but, uh, you know, the king, man, he did as he, he always had, had, had done. He opened up his window and he prayed towards Jerusalem and he didn't hide it, you know. And so it could get tight here. You know, I'm not saying it will happen like tomorrow or the day after that, but it could get tight here. It's already getting tight. And so as Christians, we have to be um, we have to make sure that we're fortified within the word of God and understanding that this is a temporal d- uh, dwelling place for us. Anyway, this is not our home. Uh, we are pilgrims. We are passing through. But while while we are here, we are to be salt and we ought to be light. And so that's the command. That's what we should uh, be seeking to do, you know, as as uh, people who live in this country, in the city that you live in, in the state that you live in. How can we be salt and light? How can we uh, 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 bring light to the darkness that's around us? I want to look at a, a scripture, First Timothy, chapter uh, two. Uh, familiar passage, and I probably talked about this before, but I feel like it's uh, appropriate, given that tomorrow is uh, the elections, um, and this should really help us to to think in a way, and uh, in, in in a in a way of the mind of Christ in a biblical way. It says, uh, first of all, then I urge that entreaties and prayers, petitions and thanksgivings, be made on behalf of all men. Then it says for kings and all who are in authority so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator also between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, 
who gave himself as a ransom for all, the testimony given at the proper time. For this, I was appointed a preacher and apostle. I am, I am telling the truth. I am not lying as a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. Verse eight. Therefore, I want uh, the men in every place to pray, lifting up holy hands without wrath and dissension. So yesterday uh, at our fellowship, it was uh, my turn to uh, teach the, the children. And so um, myself and uh, Maria Hamilton, Abraham Hamilton, the third's wife, and also sometimes Miki, uh, my wife, uh, we rotate in teaching, teaching the, uh, the kids at our fellowship. And I had it on my heart because our church had been uh, fasting and praying, you know, just uh, in anticipation of the upcoming, upcoming elections and also uh, just for the church in general that I wanted to give the children an opportunity to pray along certain lines um, and give them some parameters in, in which to pray. And we did, we did that yesterday during the service. It was an awesome time. And one of the things was for the leaders, for uh, national, for uh, state and local leadership. You know, we started off pr uh, praying for the leadership of the church, for pastors, for elders, and teachers, you know, uh, um, you know, as it listed out in Ephesians chapter four, starting at verse 11. But we also pray for leadership within our uh, country. And it's important that we do pray for our leaders consistently. And I can do I can do a, a better job at that myself, you know, but I'm always reminded of this scripture because um, here it says uh, for kings and all those who are in authority. So we ought to be praying for our governors, our mayors, our president, you know, and senators and, and, and all of them who are in authority. Uh, and we know that we hire them, that they don't rule over us, but they still have a sense of authority and, and make uh, laws and, and things like that. But it says, so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. So it's to our benefit that we will pray for those who we have set in leadership. It's to our benefit. You know, again, we can always complain. We can always fire them by voting them out the next time around. You know, but we should be a people that would pray for our leadership on all levels, whether it's in the church, whether it's in our government. You know, our hearts should be set towards prayer for them. And in verse three, Paul says, this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. And so it's a it's a, a great thing. And it's uh, pleasing to God that we will pray uh, for our leadership. You know, it's again, it's so easy to just sit back and uh, say what we would do or what we could do. And, and even in that, we should be praying. I was telling the children this yesterday for godly men, godly women that would feel the call to go into political office to go ahead and do that, you know, to obey that call. You know, I believe that God has people within politics. Now, you know, me, myself, I would never do well in politics, you know, uh, but I, I feel like, you know, God has certain people that he desired to be in certain positions uh, uh, to fulfill that role. Again, if you look at uh, the life of Daniel and his companions, they were set in a political type. They had political type positions that they were um, uh that they were in. And so I think we don't have to shy away from that. And we don't have to be ones to say like, uh, we, we don't need to be involved in that. I think we should be involved in that because if we can have people with a biblical worldview 
that would be in some of these positions, it would greatly improve, you know, I believe the country and our states and our cities. And so we should look towards uh, God, if that's something that God has, has placed up in our hearts, uh, called us to, you know, we should do it. Now, I think there are many people who are not called to do that, who may be Christians, who just do it anyway. And I think there's a lot of uh, peril involved in that because politics is dirty. You know, there's a lot of things that people do in politics that I, I feel like, man, you know, it would it would uh, be convicting for me to even uh, attempt to do that, you know. So if you're but if you're called, if you feel like God has uh, really laid this on your heart and if you're listening to me now, it may be something on a local level that the Lord wants you to get involved in, maybe like the school board or it may just be the city council type thing. And the Lord is really, you know, saying, I want you to be more active. I think that, you know, well, I know that we need to be obedient to, to that call. You know, we need to be obedient to that call. And also for us who are listening, who are not in political uh, positions and don't have any desire, don't feel a call to do that. We need to be doing what the Apostle Paul was telling uh, Timothy in First Timothy, that we would pray for our leaders, that we would um, uh, give uh, prayers, petitions and thanksgivings, you know, man. And that may be for people who we disagree with, but we know that they've been set there by God, you know. And so we have to be in a position where we will pray for those those ones that we don't even agree with. You know, I would say in the last administration, we as Christians should have been praying for President Obama. There was things that um, that I prayed for him about. I prayed that he would get saved, you know, and I, I, I prayed for those things. And I, I know there was a lot of things that was that was being done that was not right. But man, as Christians in a land that's not our home, we play by the rules of the Bible. We go by what the word of God says. We follow the word of God. And again, I understand that this is not like we're under a kingship or a lordship. We place these people there. But at the same time, as placing them there, they have a, a, a responsibility as well and a, and a sense of leadership. And so we should always pray for those who are in, in leadership, whether that be in politics, or in church, wherever. God has placed us here to be a people of prayer, to call out to him and to, to see him work on our behalf, even as it concerns politics. This is Aaron Addison's here on American Family Radio. We'll be back right after this. This is Aaron Addison's here on American Family Radio. I'm Will Addison once again, and we're talking a little bit about prayer. That's what I talked about in the first segment, that we should be ones who are consistently praying for our leadership, uh, for those who are uh, in authority over us, whether it be in church, whether it be, you know, in, in uh, politics or in 
whatever uh, aspect, but we should be a people who are positioned towards prayer because it's good for us. The outcome is good for us. I'm excited about this uh, interview that I'm uh, about to have now with my friend Todd Shannon. Now, Todd was uh, uh, is a guy who's a part of an organization I started called BSAC, which stands for the Biblically Sound Artist Coalition. But he's also, you know, um, just a great, uh, thoughtful person. Uh, he He's a, a thoughtful person. I follow him on social media and I listen to a lot of his videos and, and some of the things that he talks about. I'm like, man, you know, like we need people who are thoughtful uh, like like Todd. And, and 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 even during this political season, you could see the divisiveness that's happening even on social media, just in our culture today. You know, but we need voices of clarity. And I feel like Todd is one. So I would call him like a, a, a political analyst. And in, in, that's who I think he is, you know, or urban apologist type person. But he's uh, a good friend and uh, he's been a faithful uh, brother. And I just want to welcome Todd. Hi, Todd. Hey, Will. How's it going, man? Good, man. Good, good, good. Tell us a little bit about yourself, your family, uh, where you are, who you are. Yeah, so like you like you mentioned earlier, we obviously met through BSAC, and mm-hmm. uh, you know we obviously had some very com- uh, very strong commonly held values about about artistry and ministry. Yeah. Uh, but but personally, uh, I am a I'm the husband of one wife. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, husband of one wife. I have three kids. My wife and I, mm-hmm. uh, age fifteen, nine, and we have a four year old. We we don't have a big tribe like the Addison tribe. We, you, know, <laughs> you, still like you, still, you still have <laughs> yeah, time. You still have time. I got to. <laughs> I got to be pretty good. But uh, but yeah, uh, I mean, professionally, I, I'm a, I work as a data analyst. Uh, you know, I have a graduate degree in data science. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, for me personally, I just some years ago um, took on kind of a, a just, just kind of this um, appetite for political ideas, political ideology, mm-hmm. how that coincides with our faith. Yeah. And so I just began to just kind of voraciously kind of just consume a lot of content and learn mm-hmm. as much as I could. And then as I get that information, I like to share that with people on social media. <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, it's just, it's something that, I, that I'm passionate about, something I love to do. And, um, yeah, so, yeah, I mean, hopefully I have more opportunities to do that and trying to, uh, you know, get the word out. Yeah, yeah, man. And this is a, a, a big political season, of course, you know, and, man, I look at 2016, that was huge. And people were saying back then, uh, this is the election of our lifetime. And now the same thing is being said now. Um, and as far as Christians, it seemed like, man, there, there's so many Christians who are split, you know, in this political season. Like I've never seen before, even in 2016, you know, it seemed like it's, it's even greater now. How do you think we as Christians uh, should view uh, this election in light of what's at stake? Yeah, so this this is a really interesting season, like you mentioned. Mm-hmm. You know, one thing that I I think that is a is a feature of this climate is the fact that we are actually regressing towards more um, primitive forms of unity. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. If, if you think about 
you know, and I'll use a biblical example. If you think about uh, how Israel was in the Old Testament, mm -hmm. they were a people group based uh, almost entirely on, or primarily on, who your parents were, right? So blood mm -hmm. and a certain ge geographic location. Mm -hmm. And they were to be distinct by God's Word, but, you know, it was primarily based on, you know, your family relations and things like that. So they were a people in that sense. Mm -hmm. Well, we transitioned to the church age, we were supposed to become one on the basis of ideas and surely and commonly held uh, views of the world about God and faith. Mm -hmm. So these things would transcend the previous basis for unity, which is blood and soil and all of those things, right? But, mm -hmm. you know, it seems like now there are a large contingent of Christians who don't think that that should be the primary basis mm -hmm. upon which we establish unity. Okay. Uh, we, we don't think that it's the faith and the values and the ideas, but now we're regressing back to, well, I, I belong to this ethnicity, and I belong to this particular group, mm -hmm. and then so I ought to vote my values based on my, you know, my, my, my membership of those subgroups and not based on our membership in the body of Christ. And this is mm -hmm. what's causing the rift, yeah. right? Yeah. And... We're going to, I think, if we don't really understand what should be the, the proper biblical view of faith and values, we're going to see that risk continue to grow. And Christians are actually going to really subjugate themselves, giving power to people who are eventually going to turn <laughs> against them. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Right? Because <laughs> right. they think that they're voting in, in favor of their ethnicity and faith. Mm -hmm. But then once the people that they give that power have it, then what do they think is going to happen to them then? Yeah, no, you're you're right about that. And and I was I was talking to someone uh, just today, and I was I was telling them I was like, man, there's certain discussions, there are certain issues, like say life and marriage mm -hmm. and sexuality, that mm -hmm. you know, for a Christian, it seems to me that it should be cut and dry that the Bible speaks on these things and and how we should relate uh, to those issues. But I'm hearing. A lot of Christians say, no, these issues are, are, are nuanced. Uh, that's one word I'm, I'm constantly hearing. There's nuances to these uh, things. In your view, when you talk about life and marriage and, and sexuality, certain, certain things, and I think especially life, you know, are these cut and dry issues to you, or do you think there are some nuances uh, w within these issues? That's a great question. Um the, the, the simple answer is they are quite cut and dry. Mm -hmm. um, I think that we ought to value things that God values. Amen. Right. We ought to say the things that God says. I think that, you know, when you talk about the word nuance, <laughs> in my opinion, mm -hmm. people use those concepts and terms to try to create a uh, a, a basis upon which to to shift the conversation to to change tangential issues, mm -hmm. right? They they want they want to elevate the issues that are important to them that are not necessarily biblically rooted. Mm. They want to elevate those issues to the things that are pretty cut and dry, like you can't kill your kids, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. You just you just can't do that. Right. <laughs> there, there's no nuance to that. There's right, no middle right, ground. Right. There's no middle ground to be had. You cannot kill your children. Now, 
if somebody wants to equate, for example, which is, this might seem far-fetched, but it's, it's very common, like, they want to pretend like, well, a, a certain, you know, a, a, your position on illegal immigration is somehow comparable to that. Mm, mm-hmm. Now you want to, now you want to introduce so-called nuance. Right. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a rhetorical trick. Yeah. There's no, there's, there's no, first of all, the Bible establishes borders, but that's, that's another thing. Mm-hmm. The, the point is, is that no matter what your position is on, you know, immigration and things like that, to try to elevate that to, to be something on par with, well, I'm going to, I'm going to kill my child out of convenience. Mm-hmm. I think it's, is egregious. Yeah. I, I just, there's no, there's no justification to that. Yeah. And there's something my uh, brother Abraham Hamilton, we were talking about this as well. And he, he said, well, you know, they use nuance in the wrong way. Like, okay, B <laughs> to B flat may be like a, a nuance, like a diff, but they, it's something totally different what they're talking about. It, so they'll say B to F. Like, you know, they try to make it a whole different thing. It's not like the same thing, you know, a, a deviation or whatever within the same thing, but it's like a totally right. different argument. Like you're saying, you know, they, they'll mm-hmm. bring immigration and say that's equal to like, it's the same as abortion. And it's like, right. what? But these are some <laughs> of the issues that we're having with Christians, you know, and it's like, man, when do we get to the straight edge of scripture and say, hold on, let's see what the Bible says about these issues. And I think when we look at the word of God, these issues are not so nuanced. <laughs> some of them, not at right. all. You know, exactly. Exactly. As, and, and, even, and, and even things like, uh, not to, not to cut you off, even things like sexuality, which mm-hmm. we, you know, we tend to, uh, we look at a, you know a certain political group who mm-hmm. wants to normalize that what God said says explicitly mm-hmm. He hates, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, you know, there's there's no there's no nuance to that. There's nothing <laughs> there's nothing to be gained by uh, by uh, by by elevating things that God explicitly condemns. Mm. Just no no, no <laughs> right. you know. The, the, like the Bible says, you know, um, blessed is the, the nation whose God is the Lord, right? Mm, yes. Sin is, sin is a reproach to any people, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. So I think we, we just have to get back to whether or not we really believe that or not. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And not allow ourselves to be co-opted by, by groups who have their own agendas, mm-hmm. but only see us as resources to accomplish that. Yeah. No, I think you're right. I want to ask you this. Because uh, when you say immigration, that kind of stuck out in, in my mm-hmm. mind. Um, and so that issue, I and tell me what you think about this. I think that that's an issue that more people should be aware of, especially in the black community. It seems mm-hmm. like there's, you know, it, it's more of white supremacy and this and that. But mm-hmm. immigration is not even on the radar. Why do you think that is? Well, I, you know, to be to be honest, I think that. Um, so I'm going to kind of narrow my focus here a little bit okay. and, and think about black Christians in, in, in general, okay. or in particular, I should say. Um, I think this, and, and I, I, I take no pleasure in saying this, but it, it has been my experience that a lot of black people, um, their interest in political discourse stops at the race issue. Mm. Yeah. It just... They just are not aware of anything outside of that. And if you if you think about what 
if you think about the arc of black people in America, it kind of makes sense a little bit that 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 that, that is our primary focus because I, the, the probably the, all of the most important socioeconomic gains that we have made in this country have come because someone took an issue like equality or our, our humanity, all things that are rooted in biblical ideas, mm-hmm. and got the government to recognize that. Mm. Okay. Yeah. So almost all of our progress up through 1960 was that sort of thing, and that was, and we couldn't really focus on anything else until that issue got settled. Well, <laughs> when that issue did get settled, when we finally got equal protection under the law from mm-hmm. the Civil Rights Act, it's like we never made the mental transition that there are other things, mm. yeah. you know. Yeah. And uh, so, so I think I think black people in general and black Christians are no exception are generally ignorant to how things like immigration impacts them, how economic policy impacts them, how history and, and all of these other things kind of come together to make you a, 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 a an informed voter or right. someone who who can. Uh, make informed decisions from a political standpoint. You know, you know, people say a lot of times uh, some Christians are, you know, or some people are single issue voters, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> black people are single category voters. If they don't have nothing to do with, you know, black or racism, they just don't care about it. Mm. Mm. So that's my perception. And I, I want to piggyback off that because that's I, I was going to ask you about the single uh, issue voter thing. But, you know, we are all placed in political categories like you have the evangelicals or the white suburban women, you know, all these categories, which I can't stand, really. But one category <laughs> is the young black male vote. And so there's been a lot of news about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want you to listen to a clip uh, and give me your take on it. So I want to play this clip real quick and, and give me your take. This is uh, Charlemagne. Uh, speaking about the young black male vote. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, to, 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 to even answer your question more deeply, I think, you know, when it comes to those black people you say you see who may be, you know, showing support for Trump, I just think, you know, it's because Trump is actually talking to young black male voters. He's directing ads towards them. They are a group that, you know, never get courted. I mean, black people don't get courted either as a whole, but that old democratic regime it speaks to old black men and they think everyone else in the black community the black family is just supposed to fall in line they know black women are, are going to show up regardless and you know they like i said they speak to older black men and they think the rest of us all speak the same language so trump is targeting young black males and promo and marketing it works okay so ty you're a young black man and i am <laughs> as well what is what do you think about what he had to say there um I, I well, for, I do think that there's certainly a, an awakening mm-hmm. uh, amongst young black males, um, but I disagree that it's somehow because Trump has targeted that group. Okay, I I, I don't I I haven't honestly seen that at all. I think Trump has just done what he's always done, which mm-hmm. is be open to working with people. You know, it's funny to me that. You know, Trump was like basically famous for like four decades, right? Right. And then in the last three years, we just figured out that he was supposedly racist. <laughs> I mean, right. it, it just, just doesn't make any sense to me, right? It's so amazing. Trump's kind of been doing. You go back and you just do your Googles, right? Right. And you see Trump in a picture smiling and hugging with all of any them. number. I know. What all a, black celebrities, what, all the rappers. Hey, Todd, what, let's do this. Can we go, coming yeah. up on a break. That's whole okay, that, and we'll be back right after this.
Once again, this is Aaron Addison here on American Family Radio. I'm Will Addison, and I have a great guest on with me today, my brother Ty Shannon. And we're just talking about uh, political things, you know, things uh, leading up to this election on tomorrow. We know that a lot of people have already voted, but, uh, um, you know, we still want to highlight the the Christian responsibility and how we should think biblically about, you know, our right to vote. And uh, I'm glad to have my brother Todd on the show with me today. But Ty, you were talking about how for years Donald Trump was, you know, in the limelight and and taking pictures with a lot of uh, black actors and different people Mm -hmm. and how they loved him. And then (laughs) all of a sudden now he's he's seen as racist. You want to continue on with that thought? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, and the fact, yeah, Trump is a person that has been open and friendly and, and quite frankly, you know, quite helpful to many blacks, even in their careers. You think about Lil John or Senior Hall, he basically right. kind of <laughs> gave their careers a resurgence. Uh, but the thing about young black men kind of becoming more and more pro-Trump is that I, I think we just, people are just, um, they have common sense, and they just kind of look at what was being said and then yeah. looked at the actual information or saying, that's just not true. And some of us, thank God, have enough courage and backbone to say, I'm not just going to echo slogan mm-hmm. points of people who hate Trump. Mm-hmm. If, if I'm going to say he's a bad person, then I, that's going to be genuinely my position. Yeah. A lot of people see that that's, it's, it's mostly just propaganda. Yeah. Yeah, Todd, you, you still there? Yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I thought you had cut did I drop? off. <laughs> yeah. Well, let me say this, um, because that whole black male vote thing is, I think, is really kind of shaking some people, you know, sure. in the Democrat Party. And I want you to listen to this other clip from Ben Jealous, who was a former, I guess, NAACP president, national president, and he was asked the question why he feels like more young black men are are voting for President Trump. And then after this, we can go to another topic, but I just want you to check this out. So Ben, I'm really glad you actually mentioned the black male voter because black women uh, overwhelmingly say that they're going to be supporting Biden. They will be supporting Democratic candidates in this election. But I've been hearing more and more reports of black men voting for President Trump. I mean, recently, if we're going to look at the celebrities, Lil Wayne uh, had been meeting with President Trump about the platinum plan and saying that he would be supporting the president. Right. Wondering what's causing this rift and, and the desire for black male voters to vote for Republican candidates or more specifically to vote for Donald Trump. Well, specifically what we're talking about is more than 10 percent of black men. You're talking about like 11 percent, 12 percent. 88%, 85%, 89%, 90% of black men will still vote for Biden. But the reason why you see white men, brown men, black men, all voting at higher rates for Trump than the women in each category, frankly, is his appeal to to uh, chauvinism, to machismo, to pa- patriarchy, by whatever name you call it. And so what you see is in group after group, he trends higher with men. And it's that sort of strongman persona and, frankly, his tie to a past that many of us are, are eager to move beyond. But for some men, it feels like the most valuable thing they have uh, is, uh, is the old way. And Trump is definitely tied to the old way in every respect. So, Todd, <laughs> Ben Jealous is saying <laughs> it's chauvinism and it's patriarchy and, and he's tied to the old way and men are 
geared toward that way as well. What do you think about those comments? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. I'm trying to answer without laughing. Um, here's the thing. This is it's so this is so typical, right? You hear the term like toxic mas- masculinity, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and for, for many of these people, all masculinity is toxic, <laughs> right? <laughs> Trump does represent the alpha male. Mm-hmm. He represents the the guy that says, "I don't. I'm my own man. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to do what you say." Mm-hmm. Right? That does appeal to many men, myself yeah. included, because one thing that I despise is a person who puts their finger to the wind mm-hmm. and says, let me just do what is more socially convenient. Mm-hmm. You know, we used to have a name for those people. We would call them cowards. <laughs> right? Right. But, 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 but what, what, is, what does valor and strength entail? It entails courage. Mm-hmm. And this is, the, this is the reason why we, we, so many people love the movie Braveheart with Mel Gibson, right? Because... Mm-hmm. He knew that he was going to lose, and he didn't care. Yeah, because that's what courage and strength is about. It's about valor, and it's about doing what you think is right, no matter what other people think. And to these people, they always try to find a way to pervert an otherwise uh, valuable trait that we need more of in our society. But when it works against them and their ideology, mm-hmm. they try to say, "Oh, it's an appeal to some perverse." Uh, old dog, you know, kind of <laughs> right. outdated macho-ness. It's, a, it's, you know, that's that's the stuff beta males say, but I won't, I won't go too far. <laughs> well, let's uh, do a little shift here. And I want to ask you as far as uh, us being in the, the family of God, uh, do you think, uh, or is it acceptable uh, to you, in your opinion, for Christians to be one-issue uh, voters? Or do you have any problem with that? You know, um, you, you know, I, I, I used to waffle about this. I wasn't really sure. But, you know, I saw something on someone's social media. Uh, that's where I get all my wisdom from, social media. <laughs> but, <laughs> no, they said, they said Christians are not, uh, we're not one-issue voters. We are main-issue voters. Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and when, when, you put it, when you put it that way, uh, it changes the whole dynamic because, mm. There are certain things, like once again, like you take like abortion for example, which mm-hmm. is for many people the only the main thing. Yeah. Like, listen, what's more? Uh, what is a what is a bigger moral question than whether or not you can kill another innocent person? Right, <laughs> right, right. That's just it's, for some people. It's just like I don't care about your tax policy. I don't <laughs> care about immigration. I don't care about. I don't care about none of that. We got to stop killing people that <laughs> don't yeah. deserve to be killed. I understand that. I get it. I get it. I don't have a problem with that at all. Okay. Fair enough. So if you had to rate in order of importance the issues to you as a Christian uh, to vote on, what would they be, like the top three for you? Hmm. You know, honestly, for me, uh, at the very top is, uh, uh, you know, First Amendment stuff, religious freedom. Okay. because, Because without that, we can't preach the gospel. Mm. Right, we, we can counteract all of the cultural things if we can just say what the Bible says. Mm. Uh, so that's one. Uh, uh, and then I would say, uh, right up there, right next to it is definitely uh, ab- abortion. Mm-hmm. And 
and and and and any law or thing that that subverts the family. Mm. Yeah. So anything that subverts the, the the strength of the family, I am against. So you know that can be that's that's kind of a myriad of different you know ideas and cultural phenomena and laws. But yeah, I would say in that order: religious freedom, uh, abortion. And then anything that subverts the family, which would be kind of a collection of things. Awesome. Now I want to have you back again. I want you to kind of share. I know a little bit of your testimony of how you yep. know you grew up and stuff like that. And I think it would be powerful to even share uh, uh, some of that. But uh, after this election, we know as Christians, life goes on, you know, because our lives are hidden in Christ. Right. So mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. but there are some that argue Christians have hurt their witness by being involved in political speech. What do you think of that mm-hmm. notion? I, I just think it's complete nonsense. I think it's. I think people don't understand that you know. You know how they say that uh, politics is downstream of culture. Mm-hmm. Well, well, uh, or, or well, the, I would say that culture is downstream of religious ideas. Mm-hmm. And so, if we want to, if we want to affect politics in the right way, then we have to be able to engage with the issues. I think. Almost all of the people who wrote the Constitution or who were involved in signing the Declaration of Independence, these people had theology degrees. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I think it's ignorant to say that Christians should not be involved in politics. We wouldn't have a political system such as we have had not religious and, and, and Christian people participated in the process. Yeah. No, I agree with you. I, I think that anything— uh, in itself can become an idol. I think there are idols, mm-hmm. you know, um, and I think politics can become one. But at the same time, you know, I think there has to be a, a, a correct tension or balance in between, you know, being involved on a civic you know, level, but also uh, uh, preaching the gospel and, and, and uh, evangelizing. Because it's, when we look at laws that have been enacted and, and stuff like that, you know, I think about the seatbelt. Well, nobody was wearing a seatbelt for a while, you know, but mm-hmm. these laws that were implemented that, you, you know, mm-hmm. you need to do this. It changed minds <laughs> over time. Right. You know, right. it's no problem now. You just get in. And I, I was looking at a, a story and I talked about it on the show at, at one point where Americans view their view on family has drastically changed. Like what can a, a, a family be consisted of? You know, it can have two males and, you know, uh, it can be three people. Three adults, you know, that are married, that that, that would constitute a family, and mm-hmm. I think Obergefell was big in changing perception on what you know a family uh, could be. You know, when you mm-hmm. have homosexual marriage, which we know is not marriage at all, you know, right. um, man, those things change. So I think we have to, as Christians, uh, be involved and be uh, knowledgeable about how things work. But it, right. it, it it don't mean that those things have to be uh, an idol to us. And I think sometimes we get those things uh, uh, twisted, like, you know, you can't it's either or when it could be right. bo- both and, right? Absolutely. So let me ask you this. What are some of the things you look uh, out at the lands- landscape of culture that concern you about where we're headed right now as uh, first as, as, as a body of believers uh, living within this country? Like what are some of those things that you look out um, that's like, man, that's concerning. I see where this is going. Mm. You know, the the biggest thing for me is um, 
I when I uh, sometimes I feel like when I even when I share my ideas on social media, I feel like I'm I'm shouting into the abyss. Um, <laughs> yes, you know it, it really is. I feel like once the culture makes the transition from being able to 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 discern and accept for themselves what is true and what is not, versus being dictated to based on you know certain uh, you know agendas of certain elites. Mm-hmm. Um, I, th- I think that's when we will have, have completely lost the culture, and that's that's when we'll see real chaos. And it's part of the reason why, to be quite frank, I, I'll give an alternative reason for why in this election cycle, like the cat out of the bag, I want Trump to win. <laughs> I want Trump to win because think about what it says to our about our our culture mm-hmm. if somebody if somebody like Trump, with all of the great things that he has done despite what you think about him personally, he's done a lot of good things, mm-hmm. that they could lose. Like, if he was any other person, he would be winning hands down, right? Yeah. But he's had a whole apparatus <laughs> bent on spreading misinformation and subverting any information that would that allow people to see him truly. Mm-hmm. And what that would say to me is that we as a nation have become a place where we can be manipulated en masse. Wow. Wow. And... That really scares me because once that happens, it doesn't matter what the small individual voice says. It's just like, well, I'm going to turn on the TV mm. and what this person is saying on the news and what the, what I'm seeing in the Hollywood movies. That's going to define all the parameters of what's real. And we can't recover from that. Mm. Man, so my last question, you know, is Election Day tomorrow. And I think over like 90 million people have already voted. Like to mm-hmm. you, what does that say about this election? Do you see that as a positive thing or that's like a, a negative thing? Or is it a COVID-19 thing? <laughs> uh, you know, to be honest, I don't really know what it means, to be frank. <laughs> uh, but I am very skeptical of any sort of preliminary polling about who's yeah. going to win. Yeah, me too. <laughs> uh, you know, I think that many people, and I think probably this would describe you, I think in 2016, uh, many people were very skeptical of Donald Trump, mm-hmm. myself included. Yes. Uh, but I think that after four years, I think the people who Donald Trump won over four years ago mm-hmm. are probably more so in his corner now. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, so I think that well, it's, it's going to be interesting. Anybody who thinks Biden is going to win hands down is, is, is mistaken. I think it's going to be close. Mm hmm. But whatever the situation is, you know, I'm, I'm just trusting God. I'm just like, hey, Amen. Amen. God is sovereign. So Amen. whatever. <laughs> Look, Todd, man, thank you so much. I definitely want to have you back on. Man, how could people contact you? Like, what's your Facebook page or, or whatever information you want to give out? Yeah, you know what, man? I've been, like, dragging my feet. I was supposed to be starting my YouTube channel called Who Cares What Todd Thinks. <laughs> that is, I'm going to I'm gonna launch that here soon. I've been recording videos and kind of pump faking Okay. But, you know, I'm just on Facebook, Todd Shannon. I'm in Omaha, Nebraska. You can, you can definitely follow me uh, for updates on my uh, other social media. Awesome. Man, thank you so much for being with me. I appreciate it. All right, brother. Thank you. All right. Now, this has been Aaron Addison's here on American Family Radio. Make sure you pray. Make sure you vote tomorrow. And we'll be back tomorrow, Lord willing. God bless. <laughs>